Let me add my welcome. Uh, my name is Kevin. I'm the pastor here. I'm glad to be with you this evening. Let me also add my thanks uh, to all of the people who have given uh, to make this possible tonight, uh, to our uh, folks in the booth and for their hard work, uh, to our folks on the stage, uh, to our readers uh, who gladly came forward. I thank you all for uh, making this night so very special. It's common uh, when we are at Christmas time to, of course, talk about the birth of Jesus because that's what this is all about. And we've heard from Matthew and from Luke, uh, two of Jesus's biographers, if you will, uh, and they talk about uh, Jesus's birth story and his childhood. Who was he? Who were his parents? Where was he from? But then another biographer of Jesus, a man named John, well, he goes a little bit further back. In fact, he goes all the way back. He goes all the way back to the very beginning, before there was a Mary, a Joseph, before there was a Bethlehem, before there was a world, and there was the Word, and the Word was with God. And we find out that that's John's way of talking about Jesus before he was introduced as Jesus. So uh, tonight, we're going to look at what John wants us to know about Jesus this Christmas. And before we do, let's, uh, let's go before the Lord in prayer. God in heaven, we have heard from you, we have heard from your word, and we've sung together. God, now we ask that you would take your word and that you would apply it to our hearts, uh, that we would see our Savior Jesus and we would believe on him. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Two phrases I want to focus on tonight as we look at these uh, 14 verses from John 1. And the, the first phrase I want to talk about is light and life. Uh, John tells us that the word, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. And he was God. So this word is both one with God and yet distinct from God, and we're not going to delve into all of that tonight. But one thing he makes clear is that the Word is life, and the Word is light. He tells us in verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now, you and I, well, we can't really produce light without help, right? Light doesn't just emanate from us, right? We, in fact, without light, if we don't turn on a light, if we don't light a candle, if we don't turn on a flashlight, we're in darkness. But not so the Word, not so Jesus. Here we learn that Jesus is light in and himself. He is life in himself. See, we have to be given life. But Jesus is life. And we, John tells us that that life is the light of men, that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not mastered it. I can mean two things. One, that the darkness has not understood it, right? The darkness cannot grasp the light. Does not, it is of a different nature than light. Cannot understand it, nor can darkness conquer light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not mastered it, has not conquered it. And that makes sense if you think about it. When you walk into a room and you turn on the light, 
the light conquers the darkness. It's not as if the darkness, as long as that light is shining, the darkness cannot conquer it, cannot master it, cannot overcome it. And John tells us that Jesus is the light, this true light, which gives light to everyone, to every person. But then we reach a problem. We learn that we have rejected the light. We have turned from the light. We have, we've put a blindfold on. Uh, we've hidden ourselves in caves. Jesus will say later in John chapter 3 that men love the darkness rather than light. And if you stop to think about it for just a second, maybe you realize that's true of you. We like to hide, don't we? Uh, especially when we know we've done wrong, uh, we are ashamed, we usually don't run out and, and tell people. No, we, don't we hide. Or if we know we've offended someone or hurt someone, we avoid that person, right? We don't, we don't want to bring that out into the light. We want to remain in the darkness because coming out into the light is scary. Uh, it's, you know... It's, it's like the, for some reason, you know, some of you ladies have these really bright lights by your mirrors, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you cut that on. Like, I don't know why you want to do that, all right? The light can be scary, right? Light, light exposes things. It reveals things that, that otherwise would remain hidden. And that's why, so that's why we love darkness, because we don't want to be revealed. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want to be shown for who we are. And so we run from the light, and we run from the life, uh, and that takes us into death. So what does the Word do about that? What does the one who is light and life do about our rebellion, about our running away? Well, John tells us in verse 14 that the Word became flesh. And here's the second phrase I want to leave you with tonight. The light and life becomes flesh and blood. The word became flesh. And we've heard this maybe many of us often enough that it doesn't shock us. But the one who designed flesh and blood, bone and marrow, the one who designed and spoke into existence heart and lungs, well, he, he grew a heart and lungs himself. The Word, in order to deal with our sin, the Word takes on our skin. And so, this, is, this, is, this runs counter to the way that we often think, right? We, we think, well, God, God doesn't want anything to do with me. Uh, God, 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 if he knows everything in my heart, if he knows what I've done, he's running the opposite direction. And what John tells us is, no, God doesn't move away from our sin. He moves in. God doesn't disengage from us when we run from him. No, he, he comes after us. He fully engages. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word for dwelt is actually an Old Testament word. It comes from the book of Exodus. 
In the book of Exodus, in order for God's presence to live with his people Israel, they have to build this huge tent. The Bible calls it the tabernacle. Well, John picks up that word here when he says the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. No longer a a, a big worship tent, but a human being. And that's important. God's, God's answer to our darkness, God's answer to our death is not a ritual. It's not a program. It's not a, it's not a list. God's answer to our deepest problem is a person, himself. God moves towards us, not away from us. God becomes us. He doesn't reject us. So the light and life becomes flesh and blood. Which leads then to the question, what do you do about that? What is, what is a right response to this groundbreaking reality that God has stepped into human history in the form of a man? What's my response to that? Well, you can still say, no, thank you. You can reject the light. You can remain in darkness, separated from God. Or, as John says here, you can receive him. And John tells us that to all who did receive him, who believed or trusted in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That means that if you believe in Jesus, then you are adopted into God's family. You need to hear that. Adopted into God's family. No one is a Christian by birth. Whether you were, whether you were raised in the church or you've never set foot in a church before today, no one, you're, you're, not, you're not Christian by birth, right? You're not Christian because you live in America. You're not Christian because you live in Alabama, though it's a little bit closer, right? No, in order to be in God's family, you must be adopted. And the only way that you can be adopted into God's family is if you put your trust in his true son, Jesus. Now, why would I do that? What exactly, what exactly does Jesus have to offer? How exactly does he bring me light and life? Well, the, the birth of Jesus is not the end of the story. It's really just the beginning, right? Because this boy in Bethlehem is going to have to go to a cross at Calvary. And on that cross, he is going to yield his life to death. He actually is going to take on himself the death that you and I deserve. Right? We, we love the baby. We, we lo- babies are cute. They're cuddly. They're oohs and ahs. Right? We, we love this, the imagery of this baby in a food trough, you know, shining lights, everybody gathered around. But that's not how Jesus' earthly life ends. No, he ends in a much more graphic and horrific scene. He ends hanging on a a piece of wood, dangling naked and bleeding. We love Christmas, but Good Friday is a little bit harder to swallow. 
Because that picture of Jesus on the cross is actually a picture of what we deserve. But it's also a picture of the love of God embracing death so that you and I do not have to. He takes the wrath of God on himself. But even that's not the end of the story. Because the same person who left the virgin's womb also left an empty tomb. Three days later, Jesus comes back from the dead after embracing death on the cross and dying himself, he then puts death to death by coming back to life. And as he exits that grave, he brings with him everyone who has believed in him. So that's what the word does when he takes on flesh. He comes as one of us to bear our sin and take away our sin and lead us into newness of life. That's the good news. And my prayer is that you would believe it tonight. Let's pray. Father, would you impress upon us again your goodness and your grace. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming and for taking our place For giving us your life so that we could enjoy you forever. I pray that would come home to our hearts. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.